Clint, I had no idea you went to the shopping mall today. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings. My name is Luke Kronowski here of wearechange.org, and we have a packed house today with some really awesome and incredible human beings from some extremely diverse viewpoints that you will be hearing today on thebestpoliticalshow.com. We are going to be live for the next two hours, so make sure to share this broadcast with your friends and family members, as of course, there is so many different things to talk about, especially when it comes to everything that's happening right now in New York City. The latest comments from the Speaker of the House and a lot of crazy geopolitical foreign policy news. We're going to get into all of it. Maybe even the Malaysian MH370 aircraft. Nothing is off topic, especially when we head over to rumble.com forward slash we are change right after one hour here on YouTube. So again, share this broadcast with your friends and family members. And if you want to participate in the conversation, you actually get to call in by becoming a member of LukeUnfiltered.com, and we will be taking your phone calls at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on Rumble. To sign up and to call in, just go to LukeUnfiltered.com, join the Telegram channel. I am keeping an eye on the Telegram channel right now, and you guys will be able to call in. Another way to participate is by also going to MySuperChat.com, Any and every Super Chat will, of course, be read here as it supports this independent media organization that is predominantly sponsored through your help and support. MySuperChat.com is one way of doing that, as, of course, we're also going to be reading YouTube Super Chats, Rumble Rants, you name it. You guys donate to us. We, of course, will appreciate it very much as, of course, we have so many different things to get into today. Let's just get right into it with our guest today. And that, of course, is Jen Perlman. Jen, for the people who don't know you, who are you? Who am I? So my name is Jen Perlman. I got involved in politics when I was 18 years old. (laughs) Um, Well, we met when I was running for Congress in 2020. I ran against Debbie Wasserman Schultz in the Democratic primary in Florida's then District 23. And then from there, we transitioned that platform into our YouTube podcast show called Generational Change. And we've been doing that for three years. Yeah, we definitely have a a common, um, I I wouldn't say enemy, but someone who really dislikes us with Debbie Washington Schultz. Does she dislike you? She really doesn't uh, like me, especially with the questions that I asked her. Uh, a couple of years ago, but now she's a, a congresswoman. Not a surprise there. Clint is also here. Um, came late as well. So how are I you, Clint? Did not come late. How dare you, Luke? Uh, Clint Russell, host of Liberty Lockdown, and I was maybe 10 minutes late today, but there was for a good reason. I was doing an incredible interview with Ashton Forbes, the top investigator on the MH370 flight, uh, as well as our good friend here, Ian Crossland. It was a fantastic conversation. It'll be out midday tomorrow on Liberty Lockdown. I have a strike on YouTube right now, so it'll be exclusively on Rumble. So make sure you go uh, check it out over on Rumble. Again, that's Liberty Lockdown. Speaking of Ian. Yeah, oh, oh Clint, Clint has a strike? Wow. No, what, 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 a, what a surprise. <laughs> what did you I say? What did you do? Not, not I, here on YouTube. Yeah, I can't, we'll we'll, I can't we'll re- talk about it on I Rumble. You were not Ian Crossland yeah. is here. He has been sniffing graphene the whole time. He is has it on sw- my face? He has sworn <laughs> off. The, the beanie man, he has said he will never, ever come back and step foot in Maryland ever again. He he just moved to Miami permanently. Ian, thank you so much for uh, joining us. The thing about Luke is he's always honest. Everything yeah. he says is true. Uh, no, Luke's a filthy liar. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, hey, hi. Hi, everyone. Hey, and I can vouch for Clint. It, he was running late because of this amazing interview. It was I'm crazy. still shivering yeah. as a result of this crazy technology that we were talking about. Whether or not it's real. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see soon enough. But it's a it's a fascinating conversation. Happy to be here. Well, we're going to talk about maybe that conversation on Rumble. Yeah. And uh, Stephanie is here. Yes, I'm here. Hi, everyone. <laughs> this is Steph. We are changed. Find me on Instagram. All right. Let's just get into the main story today that this video is titled with and that of course is the crisis that is unfolding right now in new york city as we have a daily mail article that reads 
Migrant programs in New York City are collapsing as border crosser numbers explode with racial tensions rising between Latinos and African migrants who say they're being ignored. All of this as a lot of social services are running short on city became a sanctuary city said, hey, come on in, guys. And now because of the problem that they caused, Eric Adams is in a lot of hot water because of other incidences and accusations going against him ever since he started to speak out against this problem. And now I, I, I think this is a result of a Koch brothers plan that is essentially just screwing over a lot of poor people in New York City that are now dealing with huge problems that uh, I don't think there's any going back from. Is there any way to, 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 to go back to, to, to normalcy? Is there any way to, to fix the, this problem that we're dealing with? I, I think there's one way, and it's not a, not a popular way, but it's to actually defend the border. Um, and, you know, Mayor, so we're going to interject real quick. I think Rumble's not live, just so you guys know. It looks like we're not live on Rumble, but we are live on YouTube at the moment. Ooh. That's okay. what people are saying in the chat. But sorry to interrupt, Clinton. No, no, no it's okay. Uh, yeah, May Mayor Eric Adams, he has been lamenting the fact that their social you know, infrastructure is crumbling under the weight of this, this migrant crisis. And like, if this is, it, it's, it's not if this is, this is probably up there with San Francisco, the most Democrat-ran city in the country. And if they can't sustain it, well, then I think that it's it's worth listening to his complaints. Instead of doing that, they've flipped it and now accused him of 30-year-old sexual harassment or something like that. So, uh well, he's facing a lot of different accusations, specifically um, allowing the Turkish government to buy influence in New York City. The FBI just took away his cell phones. There's an accusation from 1993 that just popped up again. So a lot of this seems like maybe someone within the federal government or the intel agencies. Again, we're speculating here. We don't have any solid proof here said, hey. You better stop criticizing our policy because you're really making us look bad. So uh, also for my guys listening on the back end here, just go to Rumble, get the streamer configuration keys, and let's put it in to Restream or no, Streamlabs, not Streamlabs, excuse me. What do we have here? Yes, uh, Restream. So if you guys could do that, that'd be awesome. If you can, you might have to toggle on and off and then just put in the configurations in there. But I, I, I think the problems in, in New York City, they're just the beginning of many other problems that a lot of cities that open themselves up to immigration are going to be facing. How do you deal with such a very a desperate situation when we have hyperinflation, we have the price of goods going up so dramatically at the grocery store, the price of rent going up so dramatically. How do you deal with this kind of situation? Jen, I know you might have different perspectives here and different ideas, uh, but what do you think of this entire mess since you know a lot of people have been kind of calling it out? It's here. What do we do about it? Um, I mean, if you're talking about what to do right now in New York, I actually have no idea what they're supposed to do with this mess. And I, I do understand the concept of wanting to close borders. And I, I understand why people feel like that's the answer. But I think that the problem lies more with corporations that hire people that are not legal and don't suffer any sort of repercussions or penalties. So we actually want people in this country to work for wages that people in this country don't want to work for. So we want people in here to do that. And then we don't want them here. And then there's the people that are dangerous that come in, but those are not the people coming through the border. The people that are really dangerous actually are not crossing over through the border. They're coming in legally. And um, that's, to me, the problem that we need to be focused on. And, and again, I, these are just human beings. Where, so in my mind, I, I want to... I feel like I'd want to, you know, welcome people in, offer them a shower and a meal and maybe give them a place to stay. Like, you know, so for me, I do think of this very differently. But where's the claim come from that the, the violent migrants come in legally? Oh, so it's not necessarily violent migrants. It's just people that are on the watch list, people that are coming in that are dangerous people. I actually have a friend whose boyfriend um, does that, works counterterrorism for the FBI. And one of the most frustrating things that he's dealing with is the constant harping on the border as if that's where the majority of their problems come from. And it isn't. So when you're talking about the people that are really watching people that are coming in that are dangerous, they come in legally. They just overstay. You know, the, the very dangerous people aren't coming across the border. The people coming across the border are like families and mothers and children and people that are desperate and willing to, like, walk on razor wire to get in here. And meanwhile, people from, like, a lot of the gangs and the dangerous people who do want to come in here and do us harm get in here perfectly legally. 
Um, do they and fly in and overstay visas? Always. There's 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 flying in. There's driving in. There's all sorts of ways of coming in. But these are not the people that are swimming with all their belongings in their backs across the river trying to get to dry land. Those are not the people that wish us harm. And there are people that wish us harm. It's clear to me that you're the the bleeding heart, heart type, I, and, and I, I am. and I love and respect that. However, I mean there is there is a uh, a limit at which immigration does become problematic, just based off of landmass geography. Like, is there is there any point at which you would say, okay, this is too much? Um, you know, I don't know because I've never seen an actual fair, legitimate, just immigration system in my entire life. I grew up here in South Florida, and we have this thing called wet foot, dry foot. And when I was a kid, and I, I noticed that it's interesting. So when the Cubans come here, they get benefits, they get housing, they get all sorts of stuff. But when the Haitians come here, we stick them in deportation centers and then send them home. So even as a kid, I recognized, okay, so coming to this country is more like an airline ticket instead of a bus ticket. We don't all pay the same price. And I don't like that. I think whatever the path to citizenship is needs to be the path to citizenship for everybody. I think that if somebody comes here and has a record or is dangerous, then no, we, we don't need people coming in here and becoming citizens that are dangerous people. But I think if we get to a point where you're treating all the people equally that are coming here, I think there needs to be two forms of citizen, uh, immigration. I think you have people that just want to come here because they want to, and people that are desperately seeking asylum. And regardless of what country you're from, whichever one of those categories you fit in needs to have whatever that process is. And whatever that process needs to keep in mind that these are human beings. Well, my, so that's all, that's all I'm saying. My, my issue with the asylum process is if you have these two categorizations, then you have to have a hearing for everyone who claims asylum. And if that's the case, well, then you have three to four to five million asylum claims every year because everyone's just going to claim it regardless. No, that's not true. Not everybody claims asylum. There's a lot of people that come and immigrate here. People that come from Canada aren't claiming asylum. I mean, there's a lot of people well, the people that, that come, come across the border illegally. They the tend, they that tend to say that. OK, but now we also have to go and look at why are all those people coming here illegally in droves? What is causing that? Well, there's lots of reasons. The war on drugs, the CIA interference in their government, the top okay. one. Well, well leadership. there's also a lot of NGOs and non-government groups and organizations saying, hey, come here. There's a bunch of free money as well. True. So I've done a lot of reporting on, on the border, and a lot of these people are lied to. A lot of them are told a, a, a bill of goods that are not true at all. Uh, a lot of multinational corporations rely on, on immigration to, of course, lower the cost of labor. Exactly. They, they increase the, the cost of housing. And if you look at a lot of this, it, it's people from Turkey. It's people from Africa. Why are they coming and flying all the way in, into Latin America and then just being told to come on in? And then they have uh, court tickets that are, what, 10 years, sometimes even 15 years down the line? That absolutely makes no sense at all. And it's creating a situation where a lot of the poorest people are, are now not going to get all the benefits that they used to get. And that is creating a lot of problem, a lot of racial tensions. We always had a lot of racial tensions within the United States, especially when new immigrants groups are kind of introduced. We had that with the Irish. We had that with uh, the Polish. We had that with, uh, but, but I think now we're, we're dealing with a really different situation because now we're dealing with a hyper kind of globalization uh, immigration policy that truly, I think, has been weaponized against the middle class, against the poor people in this country. And now we're spending, uh, according to some estimates here, according to even Fox Business, that, that they're reporting that there's $451 billion that is going to be spent on housing and care for these uh, illegal immigrants that were told to come here. That, to me, is just crazy. I, I mean, know? that's more money yeah. than, we, than we've sent to Israel. That's more money than we gave to Ukraine for their entire war against Russia. And, and everyone's been upset about that that quantity of money and this is going towards this this immigrant uh you know class that is ultimately now running afoul of some of the democrats strongholds i think that's the most fascinating dynamic is that the democrats the party broadly has been endorsing these types of policies and now they have many of their their voters that are saying this is breaking our way of life yeah. um, here's the fox business report just so people could understand the the severity of this and how how severe it is committee on homeland security majority they say the price tag per year is 451 billion dollars that is both for the housing and care of the asylum seekers as well as those known godaways that's crazy right there that's that's a lot of money that of course we clearly don't have. We cl clearly keep printing money out of nowhere. We clearly also keep borrowing money out of nowhere. We clearly also keep taxing people to the point where it, it's becoming difficult for the average person to, to survive as the middle class is just being absolutely eviscerated. And Bernie Sanders used to talk about this. No longer talks about this. 
He also talked about the Koch brothers' plan. He no longer talks about the Koch brothers' plan, as, of course, there was a shift in the narrative here. But if we really did care about people, we wouldn't be selling them a, a bill of goods. There's also a lot of brain drain that's being created with this immigration that's kind of screwing over the countries that is having a lot of its kind of hardest working individuals and most kind of uh, individuals who are willing to, to take more risks and, and, and work leave the country. So Latin America is getting screwed over by this. Who's really winning? The multinational corporations that are using these people as slave labor and the Democrats that are essentially ensuring their future Democratic voting base. Yeah. Well, let, let me add, you know, as a California refugee uh, and an entrepreneur that was producing hundreds of thousands in tax revenue for the state, um, you know, I, I fled in, in part because, well, the lockdowns was the primary reason, but there's a lot of entrepreneurs that are now leaving California, leaving New York. Uh, and, and when you have the job creator class that, that leaves these states because of just a series of, of you could call them mismanagements if you want to be nice. Uh, I would say it's the intentional collapse of these states. But uh, regardless, it, what, what that means is that you then have, you know, less skilled labor in the migrant class that comes in. You have the people that are actually the job creators flee because of the tax burden that is now put on the, t uh, on the, uh, the entrepreneurial class. They, they don't want to, they don't want to have to pay for all this. And if you if anybody is watching that's from California, you already know what the tax burden is like in California. It's absolutely backbreaking. You add on to that, the inflation that has come from federal reserve policy, including our treasury, which spends into oblivion, uh, the interest rate manipulation that was held at the zero bound for uh, over, over 10 years, which is just pure suicide, uh, you know, economically and financially. It's just a series of events that, you know, when you add them all up, it creates a very bad dynamic. And I think that these states that are, are endorsing these policies are going to pay a, a huge price. I think the money should come from the corporations that are the reason that we're having this problem, because that's the reality. This is about capital. It's always about capital. So the corporations end up getting benefits instead of getting the sticks and they get carrots. You know, yeah. and so then they just get to keep doing it. And then meanwhile, these poor people that are told whatever they're told and come over from wherever they come over, for the most part, are desperate people seeking a better life, right? Yeah. From wherever they're from. Like, these are not people that are in a good way. And so for me, I feel like, yeah, we need to treat people with kindness. I, I, think, I think we also need to discern what kind of corporations, because I, a lot of people have corporations. I have a corporation. Right. And, and right. I, I, I think, you know, I think people are automatically are kind of triggered by that because they say, hey, if you tax the corporations, all of us, essentially, this is what people's interpretation are, and I'll let you kind of uh, clear the record. Uh, they're like, the, the cost is going to go down to the consumer. And Prices are going to go up if we just go after all the corporations. Uh, there are other corporations like BlackRock, State Street, Bayer, former Monsanto, that do take advantage of the financial system, that do screw us over, um, but, but they're usually the biggest kind of beneficiaries of government programs. So how would you answer those kind of criticisms? Well, no, that's true. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, technically, my little thing is a corporation, too, and I'm certainly not the problem. No, we're talking about corporations that basically have paid for our government. They own everybody. They own Congress, they own all three branches of government, and they own the fourth estate, right? Those are the people that are that are reaping the benefits from all what you the illegal immigration. Um, it is certainly not corporations like you. I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Like so, no, but I think people need to understand that. I mean, look, we're looking at something where those three corporate you're talking BlackRock, State Street, Vanguard, they're gonna own 60% of single family homes. Um, they say, I think it was like within the next 10 years. Um, and those are the kinds of corporations that we should all be concerned about. They're the ones that are manipulating and getting like things like subsidies and benefits and socialism from the government. And yet they don't have to pay. Yeah. I would say that they, they got so much support that they can't even be considered private. I, I think they're quasi public institutions that have essentially have hijacked our government and are using it for their own personal kind of benefit. Um, I want to read off some super chats before going to the next story with what the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, just announced, which is absolutely crazy. We're going to get into that in just a little bit, but let's read off some of your super chats. Of course, we got one here by the redheaded libertarian. Josie. She's a... Uh, She's a nice lady. She's going to be actually on with us next week. She says 2023, 200,000 slash 2 million migrants detained at the border, 10%. Um, I, I think you're pointing out to how many people uh, were detained and how many people got through. Again, I think it would be kind of difficult to verify those numbers. But uh, with what we are seeing in New York City, 
uh, you never know. We got another super chat here by Jeffrey Paris saying, Hey, Ian, I played percussion for you and Tim at the first TimCast event. Could I get a photo of that? Or maybe Carter Banks would have it. Also, got great health and biblical videos. Can I send them? Uh, I, it's, I, I wish I could answer that question. I don't think if anyone has a photo of that, I don't know who it is, but I can try and ask around. Maybe message me on Twitter or something. We got another super chat by I'm not your buddy guy saying, quote, one of my faves is artificial intelligence and it's programmers be, uh, being Methusian and anti-human, creating parameters that will have the AI conclude humanity must end. Yes, it's a very optimistic super chat here by <laughs> I'm not your buddy guy. Thank you for that. As of course, you know, the humans are, are, are doing a good job at, at destroying and wrecking this economy, especially with the government that we have now as the current Speaker of the House. Mike Johnson just announced that aid for Israel and Ukraine is, quote, a priority as the United States is expected to send an additional $75 billion to Ukraine and aims to send $14.3 billion to Israel, as the Speaker of the House had this to say today. Ukraine is, a, is another priority. Of course, we can't allow Vladimir Putin to march through Europe, and we understand the necessity of assisting there. What we've said is that if there is to be additional assistance to Ukraine, which most members of, co of Congress believe is important, we have to also work in changing our own border policy. And so there's been a lot of thoughtful negotiation ongoing uh, with that. I think most of our Senate colleagues recognize that those two things need to move together because we owe that to the American people. That's what they're demanding that we do. So Ukraine. what do you think about this new kind of proposition with the Speaker of the House saying, hey, uh, we'll give the military-industrial complex uh, the, their, their sacrifice. We'll, we'll give them more Ukrainian men. We'll give them more conflict in the Middle East, but we'll secure our border. What do you make of that deal? You're shaking your head, Clint. I'm furious. Uh, I when I hear politicians talk like this, I think it's it borders on traitorous. Honestly, uh, you know the the economic conditions of the United States domestically are are so dire for the the average person, and to be shipping by the I mean billions, if not trillions, uh, overseas for conflicts that are proxy wars with nuclear powers that have a larger nuclear arsenal than the United States does itself. It's not just psychopathic; it's also just a complete violation of their duty to uphold and defend uh, the Constitution, much less the American people. It makes me furious. Yeah. I don't think Putin wants to march across Europe. He'd get Russia would get obliterated if they started invading a bunch of European countries. He wants a shipping lane into Crimea. It's blatantly obvious he wants East 105 and East 97, those two freeways. And he wants to secure access to Sevastopol so he can ship their steel out of the Black Sea. That's what they want. He's, he's never come close to Poland. In fact, the only bomb that dropped on Poland was from the Ukrainian military. So it's just an absurdity that this is a threat to NATO. It's total fear-mongering nonsense as far as I'm concerned. And then the Ukrainian government tried to use that event to say that it was Russia attacking right. Poland and that NATO must intervene immediately, not look into this, not investigate this, which I, I, I thought he was uh, extremely dangerous and yeah. extremely reckless for, for Volodymyr Zelensky to, to do all of this. Now, I, I kind of want to leave, leave it to you, Jen, because there's a lot of people on different political spectrums, some of them on the right agree with the, the war in the Middle East, but they disagree with the war in Ukraine. On the left, you kind of have a lot of individuals agreeing with the war in Ukraine, but disagreeing with the war in the Middle East. What's your kind of perspective on this? Since us personally here, we're anti-war. We don't want any of this, but what's your yeah. kind of take on the situation? Um, I'm always anti-war, so I'm against the next war. To me, this is, not, this is just the military-industrial complex. And when we talk about what's going on in Ukraine, I feel like it's like everything else. People only know the most recent things and they don't even, they're not even willing to go back to like say 2014 or whatever the key dates were when we, when there were starting to be a lot of current issues um, with what's going on in Ukraine. And it's sort of like with Israel when things just started on October 7th. And that's just not the case. I am not somebody who knows enough about Ukraine and Russia. We have had people on our show to talk about this specifically because I don't know enough about it to really comment. But I know that I don't trust anything that's coming out that is encouraging war because I know that, that they're just beating the drums for war because they love that. There's so much money to be made. That's all we produce anymore. So, you know, how would we go against our main industry? And woke ESG ideology. That's also something that has been exported yeah, I, a lot. I find it weird that people are for one and not the other. This The whole thing is absurd yes. to me. Well, it's it, a psychological operation that's being ran on a binary. So, like, 
the the conservatives uh, are just knee jerk will defend Israel to the end of the earth. So they they target them with the propaganda saying, you know, all all history began six weeks ago. You right. know, yeah. and 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 with the Ukrainian uh, propaganda campaign, it has targeted the left, saying, you know how how uh, you know Vladimir Putin stole our election in 2016 and gave it to Trump. Well, we hate we hate Putin, right? Yeah, we do. And don't pay attention to the fact that there was a civil war that was going on in the eastern portion of Ukraine for the past eight years. It's irrelevant. Right. We right. have to defend democracy. And it's a propaganda campaign, and both sides have fallen for it to a large extent. It makes me sad. Yeah. Well, I never <laughs> did fall. I mean, I, I never believed any of that. But I did notice an inordinate amount of people started changing their profile pictures to uh, Ukrainian no flags. No kidding. And what's interesting is now you've seen the transition. Some of the Ukrainian flags have transitioned to Israeli flags. But uh, yet they don't know what they're talking about. They're just going rah-rah. And meanwhile, I think that from my understanding, the groups that were funding in Ukraine are pretty Nazi-type uh, organizations, like self-proclaimed. I mean, v I very far-right ideologies very. that uh, are linked to extremism. Yes, that uh, you know, all the social media companies really don't like. But but when it comes to Ukraine, they're like, yeah, let's not really look right? at that. Which was okay. So I'm not imagining no, that that's who not. we're arming no, there, and no. then isn't that the exact opposite of what we? I mean, do we forget that Russia was on our team? Did we forget that if it wasn't for them, like we would, we could potentially be living under the Third Reich? And uh, it's not only that, but there used to be a partnership between Russia, where Russia was even warning us specifically about the Boston uh, Marathon incident. That they intervened and and gave warnings to the United States, shared intelligence. And when you look at the larger kind of Tacitus trap that's kind of unfolding between China and the United States, I think it would be more advantageous to kind of go to Russia and be like, okay, let's at least do a little business here. Let's let's you have a lot of natural resources. Europe needs it. The West needs it. Let's at least try to partner up business wise because China is doing a lot of business with a lot of different countries. And that's proving to be a lot more effective than the kind of militarism American foreign policy doctrine, which is essentially use the petrol dollar or we're going to take out your leader. We're going to bring in the economic hitman or we're just going to bomb you. And of course, get the rebels, freedom fighters to come in there and take a very sharp object and shove it where the sun doesn't shine with Hillary Clinton then laughing and smiling about that particular incident. <laughs> that's the American foreign policy doctrine that's, that's ridiculous. We it came, doesn't make it we saw he I won't finish it because I don't know if I'm allowed to but do, yeah. Do we all equally hate her? Yes. Like, can we yeah, all yeah, equally yeah, agree yeah, on yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah, yeah. hate her but I mean she's definitely you should. involved she's in evil. the liberal economic orders conquest of Libya that's for sure. She's a pretty Ian, evil person. Ian would you date her? Well, I'm you, single now, so what the hell? <laughs> no, no, I don't think I date She's got a husband, man. Confirmed. Yeah, that's not the issue there. No, I mean, I want to help. I want to help these people. I think that villainizing each other right now is not the way forward. Like, no, we some need to people fix just are home. villains, though. Some people just are. I've I seen people become evil, and I've seen people become good. So, all right. Well, well, I'm holding in, out in, on her. I'm, I'm going to say that that ship sailed with her. Fifty years of Joe Biden's evil. You're still convinced that he can have a a change in his in his twilight years. The career politician that sold this country out and is the essentially the politician of the lobbyist group that even Barack Obama criticized. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but but um, there was a, there was a famous saying of what Barack Obama said about uh, Joe Biden being a man of the lobbyist. Do, 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 does that ring a bell? It doesn't ring no, a bell. No, but it doesn't okay. surprise me. I mean, I've been looking at him. I, I don't know that I'm, I might be the oldest person here, but I mean, I remember thinking about him back in the 80s when he was in Congress and and thinking that he was a total POS then. Because he was. Well, he is. I mean, yes. he is. Yeah. And even then, I remember thinking, and this was before the Democrats were so completely co-opted by Wall Street and, and before that. This was when Democrats still, in theory, were the party of labor. Right. And yet, he was never that. No. I love how he tries to present himself like, I'm just regular Joe. No, you're not. No, Joe, Joe Biden of the 1980s, for those that are young and don't know this, yeah. he would have been considered one of the most hardline right-wing yes. politicians uh, in today's parlance. I mean, Very that, that's, much. That's who he was. He was responsible for the three strikes laws and all the war on crime and all the all the of war the on drugs. The war yeah. on drugs. Yeah, all of it. I mean, all of it. He was just absolutely a right winger. Yeah. <laughs> I got an email from him today. It's from actually no reply at studentaid.gov. And they told me, uh, congratulations, your student loan's been forgiven because of my actions my administration took to make sure you receive the relief. I didn't ask for that. But well, they just printed up your money and paid off my well, debt. Well, it's a small percentage, too, that got it. Like, you must be in that, I mean, they tapered it down and tapered it down. 
Which makes no sense because I'm making killer money right now. It, I have no idea what the hell is going on. It makes perfect sense because you prophesied your love of authoritarianism, Ian. Yeah. And they're like, this guy really loves the state. <laughs> they so felt, they felt like gotta, you were a kindred spirit. They basically forced me to pay my loans back early by doing it with your money. Yes. It's yeah. insidious what they just did. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy. I don't know if you want to you want to expand on that a little I, bit. I but, took out but 20 this gr- just happened a couple couple minutes yeah, ago. I just got an email like, like 30 minutes ago that in August they paid off all my debt. I, I had 22, 19,000 in student loans I took out over the course of four years in the 1999 era. I paid off about 8,000 of it. I had another, whatever, 10,000 left. And uh, they just they just sent me an email. I'm like, no, not, not anymore. Well, no, just, don't worry. We, we charged everybody in the United States to, to pay for it for you. So yeah, no, no, I was just going to add on that. I mean, this is this is what all social programs are is is it's it's extracting. And in reality, it's not even extracting money from the producers. Usually it's just printing and inflating the currency so that we don't even actually uh, you know, we, we don't sense it. We just know it years down the road as the price consistently increases. And if it happened to me, that means it probably happened to some other people. I'm interested to no, see. No, you're the you, only one. Yeah, maybe it was just me. It maybe I lucked you. out. Maybe I won the lottery on this one. <laughs> they, they wanted you to go on IRL and talk positively <laughs> about the Biden administration. I'd like to see some transparency on how much money was printed to pay off all this student debt. If they, if you're going to tell the loan agencies, screw you, you're not getting it back, that's one thing. But if you're going to tell the loan agencies, don't worry, we'll give you your money back early and we'll make all these Americans pay well, for you, it. you got to understand, though, the most of the tax... Most of the money that comes from these uh, for the for these student loans is also tax. It's also treasury created funds. So like whether whether they whether they have to write that off or they they print it and pay those people off, it's it's almost irrelevant. Those people need to just go away. Yeah. How much is the national debt right now? I almost got the thirty four trillion. Thirty three point eight trillion dollars plus whatever Ian's bad student loan debt. Oh my god. Yeah, thanks part. for that. Th- thanks, Ian. That's uh, two hundred billion more than like three weeks ago. <laughs> Yeah, or two weeks. Oh ago no, no. We went from thirty-three. We will hit thirty-four trillion by by the time this year is out. In a, in about four months, we will have added the most recent trillion. It took us two hundred plus years of American history before we got our first one trillion in debt. Two hundred two hundred plus years. Now we're doing it in four months. That it's almost over, folks. Hey, I want people to understand. Hey, hey, hey! But the Ukrainian corrupted oligarchs need their hush money. Okay, <laughs> where else are they going to buy their illicit? Chemicals that we can't talk about here on YouTube. Where else are they going to buy their mega yanch- mega mansions and their yachts? Well, and, are you saying and, the money's not helping the regular Ukrainian people? Yeah, yeah, I, I, that's I think, exactly I think, what I'm I think, saying. I think it's pretty clear that that's exactly <laughs> what's happening. As there's a lot of corruption in Ukraine. Ukraine is known as a very corrupt state, and one of the reasons why it hasn't officially been a part of NATO and a lot of other alliances inside of Europe, mainly because. Their politicians will do anything for a buck. This is why there was a lot of. We can't even say this on YouTube. We're gonna we're gonna try to say it on uh, Rumble. We got another uh, super chat on mysuperchat.com. Too spicy to talk about here, but I pulled up the Elon Musk tweet in regards to this that was deleted. We will also be talking about that on rumble.com forward slash we are change. But, but to get back here on this particular topic here, what's happening in Ukraine, I, I think, is the government going all in on a lost war. I think the war is going to be over as soon as the next president of the United States is announced. As soon as that next president gets into the Oval Office, that war is over. I think Biden is trying to cling on for this war as much as he can because if he loses it during this election cycle, there's absolutely no way the Democrats could get out of such a negative PR marketing nightmare that they fully invested into. And I think this is why we're also seeing articles like this from Breitbart that talk about how, quote, all allies agree Ukraine will join NATO, says Alliance boss. And this is specifically the latest comments from the Secretary General of NATO, Jan Stalenberger, who I believe is also a Bilderberg member, who came out and essentially said, yep, uh, yeah, their, their, their membership in, uh, in uh, NATO is uh, pr- pretty much uh, guaranteed here, as now we have other reports from Europe saying... Um, Not really, as the United States and Germany, quote, remain reluctant to support quick Ukraine-NATO accession. Why is this happening now? Why is there mixed communication about Ukraine joining NATO? Well, that's because this conflict is not looking good for the Ukrainians. And I think it's a negotiation tactic as Russia has made it a red line and said specifically, if... Ukraine joins NATO. This means we are in a full all-out war. So I do believe that this is a negotiation strategy for the Ukrainians who clearly are not doing really well in this conflict. If you check out uh, Russia-Ukraine battle map, 
and you pull one of those up and you look at the land Russia has conquered. Do you want to send it to me, uh, Ian, on yeah. uh, Twitter? Uh, sure. DM, yeah. DM it to me on Twitter and I'll put it up here. But you see the progression and it's it's absolutely minuscule. The spring offensive, I think, was estimated to bring back 0.4% of the Ukrainian land. How many people died during that Ukrainian spring offensive? Counteroffensive? Holy frickin' cow, Aren't the they numbers like are... hundreds of thousands? Yes, yes. Yeah. Like some people estimate 600,000, yeah. which is insane because you look at the war in Vietnam, which was brutal for America. That was like 60,000 individuals. 600,000 individuals? individuals that's our, that those are the estimates if it's true who knows we don't know the official numbers they haven't been I confirmed mean, here even, even if it's a quarter million a link by the way based Thanks. off of percentage of population of their nation versus america during vietnam it's catastrophic it's an entire generation of young men that have either been just eliminated from the face of the earth or they have fled the country entirely because they didn't want to be conscripted so i don't i don't see a a fruitful future in in any period of time for Ukraine. But what's so tragic about this is that this was this was all uh, provoked by the U.S. empire. Uh, like, really, if you look through the history of this, Scott Horton did an incredible book on it called Provoked. And it's how how the, the new Cold War has began with Russia. And it was it was basically 15 years of, of interference in what amounts to if if Russia was interfering with politics in Tijuana, that's essentially what we were doing in Ukraine. And they got they had enough of it. And and they have said repeatedly. Well, well, the U.S. and the intel agencies are uh, intervening in the politics of Tijuana. Well, of course. And, and it was Lindsey Graham, John McCain, and the intelligence agencies that went over to Ukraine, especially during the Maidan Revolution, yep. and helped inspire the current situation that we are in right now. But, but my point is, it's not Russia that's intervening in, in Tijuana politics. If it were, if they were putting in some pro-Russia you know, dictator into Tijuana, the U.S. would have a serious say about that. If they, if they started to blow up trade agreements, if they said, hey, we're going to be part partners with you will send you munitions it's all good like none of this would be permissible from a, from an american uh you know worldview but we don't look at them and say you also have control over your hemisphere's dominion even though you're a nuclear power i'm not saying that it's good or proper or anything like that i'm just saying it's totally unreasonable that the american empire can tell them we have more say over your trading routes and your region than you do china and russia look at that and they laugh and this is them finally putting their foot down it was inevitable uh, Ian, by the way, I have the map pulled yeah, up. Yeah, so pull if you this up. Take a look at this. this. It looks like this is what Russia wanted, and this is what Russia has, and that the war is over. Yep. So I don't know what they want to do. Russia has been fortifying this land. They took all this land east of the was that the Dnipro River. They have the freeways down into Crimea. You see, that's that bottom peninsula outlined in black. That's where their shipping uh, port is in Sevastopol. They took it. They have it. It's over. Yeah, they have the land bridge here, which secures their only open uh, sea port that is vitally important and for them and has been directly attacked by the, the Ukrainians. What happened is when the Soviet Union was split up by the oligarchs in like 1989 or whenever it was, whoever decided who what land's going where said, yeah. hey, this, this portion that's in the red right here is going to go to Ukraine, not to Russia, because we don't want Russia to be a local hegemonic power. We want to stifle their ability to ship through the Black Sea. So we'll give all this to the Ukrainians. And I'm sure that pissed off all sorts of Russian bureaucrats. Like, yeah, we need access to the Black Sea. Well, they, they expected that they would still have somewhat of a positive relationship with them because that like there's about half the population is Russian speaking and many of them view themselves as being Russian. That's but, why they're in this mess. Right. Well, but also they had a they had a 50 year lease on Sebastopol that was torn up by Zelensky after the coup. Or not Zelensky, it was the other guy. But regardless, that that was the red line. It was it was ascension into NATO and also Sebastopol. They had to have that. It's their only year-round water port, uh, warm water port. Everybody knew this. And when I say everybody, I mean the U.S. State Department knew this. There's cables that came out through WikiLeaks where this was all disclosed. That uh, Condoleezza Rice knew about this. She like everybody, everybody in our political establishment knew that this war was going to happen if we didn't stop messing with them, and we just refused. And then and then it turns around and we go look at. Putin just invading for no reason at all. It's just a lie. They've just lied to you. What really bothers me is how Turkey is in all this because if they're going to, if Russia's going to start shipping through the Black Sea, that means they need to go through the Bosphorus Strait, which is controlled. It's right through the middle of Turkey, Constantinople, Istanbul, whatever. It goes right through. So the Turkish are now going to have massive trade ties with the Russians. And I, I've heard that they're sending money to Gaza to help the, the Muslim Brotherhoods uh, arm Hamas now. It's like, yo, if we piss off Turkey, that's a very, very, very bad thing for the United States. That's a bad East. thing for NATO. 
Yeah, that's a whole NATO. NATO. Right. That's I mean, that's a whole other can of worms. It's probably the most powerful Arab military yeah. in NATO. And, and maybe in the world. So the fact that they are already posturing, threatening Israel, because they have been. They've, there's been these these marches with hundreds of thousands of Turks that are in the streets, all with this crazy blood red flag. It's pretty intense if you watch these protests. These people are very unhappy with Israel right now. And, and you're right. Like Also, you can drive them into the arms of Russia. Basically, what I'm saying is I think that NATO is on its last legs. These are This is not happening in a vacuum for you listening. This is something you can change. This is what you should be talking about and screaming about in public. And making noise about this is your country and your world. Do not let this happen under your nose. Well, well I don't know about screaming. Screaming is not uh, always the best effective I, way. Amplify to your voice. People. Let's put it that way. Use yeah. media. Use ways to amplify your voice. You don't have to get loud. Just make sure a lot of people hear you. Is yeah, what I mean. But, but I agree. Your, your your voices do matter. As of course, what we see on the corporate media on CNN, MSNBC is just constant pro-war propaganda financed by the Pentagon, financed by the military-industrial complex. There's very few, if any, independent anti-war voices and if they do represent those voices they're usually canned kicked off the network given golden handcuffs like jesse ventura was given or just totally kicked off the network like uh very surprisingly chank uger and also very interestingly tucker carlson who also represented anti-war voices anti-establishment voices in some way and were totally axed from the corporate media axed from having a conversation with the American people through the mainstream, mainline television that uh, only serves the purpose of war propaganda. And I think that's exactly what we're getting in Ukraine. That's exactly what we're getting in Israel and inside of the Middle East. And it's just a, a ridiculous proposition that we're told saying, hey, you know, just pay a little bit more for groceries. You know, just pay a little bit more for rent. Just pay because you know what we gotta we we got more wars to fund. They're not gonna fund themselves. The United States needs to fund these wars, and that to me is ridiculous. I don't want my money going there. I, I you guys already take too much of my money. I believe in no taxation. All taxation is essentially theft, in my opinion. I don't know if you would agree or disagree, but that's just my she personal disagrees. take on this. I don't. You know what? Actually, I don't really have that much of an opinion on that. I really don't. It's not one of those things I've put that much thought into. See, you just presume. You presume when well, you. How are you going to have this? this these social programs without taxes. Well, okay. So the thing is, is that on a federal level, I don't believe our taxes actually pay for anything. I okay, think it's so you just, mean state level taxes? Yeah, yeah. Well, state okay. level taxes do pay for things because states are in sovereign; they don't have their own currency. So that is Correct. that's a different that's yeah. a whole different thing. I um, can deal with that if if you want to compromise and get rid of federal income tax. We're in we're in business, sister. I have no problem with that. Like, I don't even think that's a real thing. I, the money doesn't go anywhere. It's not like somebody's collecting it. all that money to go help us pay for things. But there are certain things that part of our collective resources that we should have that I do believe we should provide. And it isn't one of those things like, again, I don't think federal tax dollars pay for anything. So when I say we should have publicly funded college uh, or, you know, uh, or that I think we should have universal health care, that doesn't mean your taxes go up. In fact, a lot of people could demonstrate that your actual taxes would go down in theory because we would actually be paying less for health care than we are paying. I mean, there's lots of studies on this. But no, I don't have a I'm not like a big tax the people thing. I think that we need to um, take the cap off of Social Security. I mean, I think there's certain things that we can do. But no, I'm not like a tax them. Well, uh, you know. if you take the cap off Social Security, that is a federal tax. But It is, but but that's the one when people are starting to say things like, oh, well, Social Security is going to lose itself. All of those things is when I come up with things like, yeah. then you would want it. There are certain things that you could do to help if that's what you yeah. believe to do. I, sure. I would just respectfully kind of disagree because I don't want my money going to public education. I think public education is indoctrination. I think we've learned throughout the last few years they, they propagandize children. They lie to children. They teach them how to be order followers. We're, we're living in an outdated education system based on the Rockefeller um, kind of funding all the way back many decades ago that essentially teach children how to be good factory workers. So, I well, think, you're now I you're think, talking yeah. about the type of education. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. a whole different animal. Yeah. I mean, I think our education system's a disaster. I mean, I would look at like Finland. I mean, there's definitely places that have better education. We're horrible. Yeah. So I'm by no means a proponent of how we do education. But education to me in general is a public good. Healthcare is a public good. I prefer to be around healthy, educated people, not stupid, unhealthy people. That's just me. I think we're all better off when people are healthy and have an opportunity to educate themselves. But I think, I think everybody agrees with that. The issue is whether or not it's it's privately or publicly funded through coercion or force or violence. And, and that's where I side with like, yeah, I want people to be educated, but I also don't want 
these these systems that you lament how how destroyed and, and crappy they are the public school system it's like well you have to you have to withdraw that funding otherwise there's no incentive to change and i think that that's the issue not just with our schooling system but also with with our military industrial complex you have to shrink the size of the government i leftists always always critique corporations and i'm like the reason that these corporations are such behemoths is because they are they are the first to the trough, the federal trough, they are, they are just extracting so much of the wealth from the American people. The only answer to me in that scenario is to shrink the size of the government. The left tends to, to identify the problem, but then they say, but we can just, we can just, you know, modify it in some way and it'll be better. It's like, no, 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 you have to, you have to yeah. shrink this. No, I, and I don't, I don't disagree with that. We, I always talk about, like, to me, the, th the idea is to um, decentralize and have small, sustainable communities. I mean, like, I am someone who doesn't want to live how we're living now. Awesome. So I am someone who just bought a camper and wants to go live somewhere and have chickens. So, like, my... My people. Right, well, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I, I believe in living in small, sustainable communities and letting communities decide what are best for them. Yeah. I just that's, generally... That's called anarchy, though. Again, I told you I'm kind of on the. She's but an anarcho-communist. I, I think. am. Well, I've, I've been called that. I've been called worse. Yeah. But um, I just think certain things are societal goods, and that as a civilization, you come together to be able to have those things, because otherwise, every man's an island. You know, my my issue with universal health care. I used to be like, yeah, everyone should have free access to that. Is when people make themselves sick with sugar and bad food, and then they cost me money because they got to go get their heart checked out. Like, if you're too lazy to control your diet, I don't want to pay for you. Well, but I say that about people that. Ride motorcycles. Exactly. I, I feel like that. But see, now you're being now now that gets very authoritarian, right? Like as to where you spend your money and how you eat and what you do. And like, like I, people, that, I had this conversation with Jimmy Dore. People that take unnecessary risks. Like, how liable am I to cover the cost of their fail if they fall down and break their leg riding a motorcycle? Of course. Should well, I have to? Be? And on, I generally. I'm on the side of emergency care. I'm all for it. But if someone continuously goes and rides a motorcycle and continuously breaks their leg over and over and over, like, but come how on, do you, guy, how like, are you going to monitor that? How do yeah. you manage that? I don't know. Well, so the, the way you manage it is you make them pay for their own care. And if they can't afford it, then they don't get service anymore. But I, I'm just on the thing of like chronic health care with food, certain things like, you know, some, and some are things are congenital. You're born with it. I get maybe that's a discussion I could have. But like people that eat themselves sick and then yeah. expect me to pay for it is like that's dirty. Now, but could would you would you acknowledge that there are certain segments of our society that don't have access to healthy food? There are things called food deserts. Um, I have several of them in my congressional district. So, I mean, I've seen these places where you can go X amount of miles without hitting a supermarket and people that don't have transportation and their best thing to do is go to the local convenience store, which is just full of crap. So that's, or, or, or you'll notice there's no shortage of fast food. You go into certain neighborhoods, all you're going to see are junk. Yeah. A lot, a lot I, I of that. Say, I would say that's also uh, because of the consumer as well. People yeah. deciding to choose what to buy because <clears throat> if people were buying fruits, vegetables, and meats, they would have that available at the store because people were buying it. But if they're uh, kind of advertised this crap because, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm even a little bit, I, I want to make a bigger point stepping outside of this because the whole entire food industry is corrupt. The entire FDA is corrupt. The whole medical industry is corrupt. The whole insurance industry is corrupt. Big pharma is corrupt. All of them are corrupt. And who's really responsible here? Is it going to be fixed by giving more money to government? Is it going to be fixed by people <clears throat> understanding that they're on their own and they need to make better choices? I'm more inclined to go in that direction personally myself. And I think uh, I, there wouldn't be food deserts if people were more of informed consumers. We're not informed consumers. We're told here, eat this seed oil, eat this high fructose corn syrup. The FDA says it's good for your heart, which is ridiculous and, and absolutely crazy. So Wait, so, you think 12 uh, servings? of grains per day isn't healthy, Luke? Like I was told my entire childhood. I mean, it, yeah, we, we, we definitely have an issue with, with education when it comes to, to health. But my point would be about all those industries that Luke just pointed out being corrupt. The, if you look at the percentage of, of revenue that they get because of federal contracts, it's mm -hmm. astronomical. So much of what the reason that they are these behemoths is because they are fascistic enterprises. The, the public-private partnership is killing us. We don't function in a free market system. We function in a fascist one. And, and instead of calling Donald Trump a fascist when he's actually not really, we ought to identify the fact that we have a fascistic corporate public alliance that is destroying our speech rights, uh, our health, 
the, the military industrial complex is another example of this. The, the examples go on and on that you must starve the beast. Until you do that, you will not have free market competition, and these, these uh, Goliaths will continue to yeah, grow. Yeah, someone made a very interesting point in support of you, Jen. This was also a Jennifer mm-hmm. uh, Moffitt saying, fruit and meat costs more than junk. And yeah, I would, I would agree with that sentiment as well. There are a lot of really crappy stuff with huge long lists of ingredients that are very cheap. Well, Things but that have you know one why? ingredient are not. Subsidies. Uh, subsidies, government participation, tax incentives, and essentially Bill Gates controlling our food supply. Is that not a problem? It's a, a big huge, problem. Huge, huge, huge problem. Bananas are cheap. Yeah. Like bananas are cheap. There's no excuse. Buy and eat bananas. That's your sugar source. I, I can't stand people that are lazily buying packaged crap and getting fat. I cannot take it, man. It's well, so annoying. And the reality is, too, I, and I, I do understand the argument about the food desert. It's, I, I do side with Luke more that it's consumer demand that is is making so those businesses don't arise there because people aren't actually it's trying. It's part that. It's it's part that. Um, oh, sorry, I, I was going to make another point, but you know, I totally no. got distracted. So go, no, go ahead. No, I was, I was just going to say one of the things is, is that, like, say, for example, Whole Foods. Why would you not find a Whole Foods in certain neighborhoods? Well, obviously, the people in those neighborhoods can't afford to shop at Whole Foods. And so this is where um, people would say, okay, maybe there could be subsidies for some companies that do want to provide an important service of providing healthy food in places that might not otherwise be profitable. Those are the kinds of subsidies that I wouldn't mind. So when we're talking about, you know, subsidizing certain companies for what they do, that would be one that would make sense to me so that you could have healthy food options in a neighborhood and you could have that because there's neighborhoods that it will never be profitable enough. Let me let me just point something out to you. So. Whole Foods, I think, was acquired by Amazon, if, yes, if I'm not mistaken. For sure. so, so these subsidies that you're offering are going to go directly to Jeff Bezos. Well, I don't – look, I, don't, I'm just, I pointed that out because it's just a healthy market. Pick market, any market. I, but, it could but, be anybody. But my, my point is, regardless of – like, I understand the sentiment. You're like, I, if there's going to be subsidies, that's an industry I wouldn't mind because it would help these, these people that want to have healthier food supply. The reality is, though – that Jeff Bezos has the most money and the most lobbyists and the most relationships with the government. Yeah. It's going to be Whole Foods, and Jeff Bezos is going to be the guy that actually walks away with that that subsidy. So this is the problem with the size of the government. This is the problem yeah. with the entire subsidy industry is that the, the the corporations ultimately write these laws. So whether your sentiment is is good and proper or not and moral – it's going to end up being corrupt. Oh, no, it'll turn into a complete crap show. But but in theory, which is the idea of small, sustainable communities, I got you. is that each so- small, sustainable community would be able to have healthy foods for its people. So like I was part of a couple of community garden um, projects that we did in my food desert area. Um, and those are the kinds of things that in that we look and now we say, oh, we're going to get grants. Because you could reach out and get some grants if you have the proper nonprofit. Those are the kinds of projects that I would want to be getting subsidized, those kinds of projects. So no, it doesn't have to be a Whole Foods, um, but just to have access to places. It is never going to be profitable in some neighborhoods to have certain types of things available to those people. It just won't be profitable. Yeah. Let's continue the conversation and let's get into the Middle East because I know you have a, a lot of very interesting takes on, on that particular matter on Rumble. Before we do, I want to read off some of the super chats that we got here. We got one here from Dick Dickerson saying, Seamus... And he said it in Polish, <laughs> smells like failure. And uh, <laughs> yeah, hey, uh, Dick Dickerson, I agree with you. I, I, I was like, why, why does every time I came back to the beanie compound, I was like, why does my chair smell so weird? This, this doesn't smell nice. It was like a mix of like really bad, cheap alcohol and potatoes and uh, smelling like failure. Um, and he doesn't even drink, which yeah. makes it even weirder. No, he drinks all the time. He's a secret boozer. Oh, he's, is he? Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's Irish. Total alcoholic. Sakes. I didn't realize this that. This guy's like pounding down. <laughs> like Jameson's from the Rothschilds and vodka wow. and, and like whiskey. I heard he's not even actually Catholic. Which he's, is crazy. he's drunk half like like most of the time around him. He's he's drunk. So um, poor Seamus. We hope he gets well. We hope he gets into AA one day. We're rooting for you, Seamus Coglin. Uh, we hope you get better and uh, you know bless all your friends and family members that have to deal with you and your drunken ways and the so, halitosis. My God, yeah, horrible, horrible. Oh. So. So thank you so I much. I don't know this person. Don't want to. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You don't. You, I'm you, not a fan of halitosis. Yeah, yeah. You do not. You do not want to know this man. And I, I've had the displeasure. <laughs> if of you being ever see a to him. potato patch, you'll see him rolling around in it. 
That's yeah. where he's usually at. If you're lucky. Uh, <laughs> I do like does, potatoes, he's, though. He's a very, very gross man. But uh, anyway. This is thanks. so sad for me. I know. Like, I, feel so I know. You should. Oh, no, I we should. feel bad. You should. We feel bad. Yeah, you well, should. Why you should are absolutely. you guys being so mean about <laughs> him? Uh, we're, we're just speaking the truth here, okay? Aww. We're speaking the truth. So and uh, we hope he gets well. We hope he, he gets into AA. We oh hope his God. rehab goes well. Seamus is one of the co-hosts of IRL and is better than Luke. So there's oh. a bit of a oh. between. Oh, I better. Better. I just oh. said You're saying it's, uh, it's a personal thing. There, I think so. Okay. Fighting words. Wait, I, better? Did I say that out loud? Better? Did I say that better, out loud? Ian? Ian better. That's not what I meant. I, if that's what better? I said, I didn't mean that, Luke. Were you replaced by Seamus? No, I left. Uh, he was there, and I just couldn't stand being around him. Because oh, anyway, of the halitosis. I love uh, all uh, this uh, concocted drama. This is beautiful. I, Ian, you're, you're, you're sleeping in my guest I'll room. Tell you the truth. Okay? The you're, best you're, shows you're are sleep- when Luke and Seamus are on together. Mm-hmm. You should get Seamus over here. See, even Atlas is into this. Seamus is uh, a man who doesn't keep his word. He promised to be on the show. He was supposed to launch this show with me, and then he backed out last minute uh, with his cowardly ways. So, yeah. um so for the record, until Thursday, Luke's a better host than Seamus. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for letting me say your place. Until Ian flies out. I know where you sleep. I know. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. I'm shivering. Um, you should. All right. Let's get back to some of the other super chats here. We have another one from Based Joe saying Amazon wouldn't be a thing if it wasn't for the NSA contracts with AWS. Yes. Uh, uh, Amazon does have a lot of federal contracts. They're also working on breaking encryption. They're also working on facial recognition technology. Uh, they're working on a lot of very Orwellian, really bad stuff. Boy. We got another. Uh, yeah, go. Oh, ahead. I was just going to say, and they also did the favor of the federal government when they shut down Parler by by killing their server, uh, the AWS servers. Yeah, so uh, not a good corporation. As of course, Bezos also has specific ties to the central intelligence agencies. I'll just leave it at uh, that. He's also building a giant clock in a mountain for no apparent reason, and it horrifies me. Really? What's that? It's a story that came out yesterday. He's he's building this gigantic clock in the center of a mountain, hmm. and I want to know why. That's and, like an end times kind of situation. Yeah, and he has a wiener missile. Uh, well, so, yeah, that's, he's, that's he's, what makes. What it does cool. that tell you? Yeah, well, yeah, I know what it says to me about that man. He's a very astute man. Mm, he's a very small man. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Uh, Joel X Lynn has another super chat here saying, "Luke, good sir, please stop blanking so hard on YouTube. It's unnecessary and bums everyone out. They're not going to ban you for saying naughty words or controversial opinions. It's not 2021 anymore, and I would disagree. It is as yeah. uh, it's it's probably worse. As I know a lot of online content." Content creators, Pearly Things, Next News Network, and a lot of others have been hit very dramatically here on YouTube. YouTube still the place to reach out to the normies, to the Kyles, to the Karens. A lot of you know average everyday human beings are on this platform. This is a good way to reach out to them. This is also a strategic way, and I explained this many times before. This is the strategy: water down the message a little bit, not get too controversial. Not get too down the rabbit hole, but but specifically talk about issues from kind of a normie mainline sort of issue, even though we kind of kind of fail to do that sometimes too. But 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 try to entice a lot of people who aren't privy to this kind of larger messaging. And then slowly bring them over to Rumble, where we go deep down the rabbit hole and we don't hold anything back. And to me, this is a good strategy that a lot of other content creators have implemented that to me is an actual smart strategy. So if you're watching right now on YouTube, head over to rumble.com forward slash we are change rumble.com. And we are there on the front page. If you can't find us on rumble.com forward slash we are change, just go to the front page and we are highlighted here next to Glenn Greenwald that also is going live. He usually ends his broadcast at 8, so check out our broadcast. The conversation will be continuing on rumble.com. Set up an account, download the app, subscribe, click the notification button on Rumble. It's more important and imperative than ever, as, of course, you are voting with your, not only dollars, with your attention, with your clicks. And it's more imperative that we incentivize alternative companies, not big behemoth giants that do not care about free speech. So when, when it comes to the kind of a larger temperature of what's going on on YouTube, Clint just recently got a strike. Why did Clint get a strike? Because he was naughty. Jacob yes. Chansley. He's, can we not? Listen, we got the... Don't, don't you? Yeah, we, don't listen, you do it, Lord? Listen, listen, listen. We'll, we'll, we, might, we might have to. Might have to you on YouTube because you it's want your... him to do it. Yes. Oh, jeez. Yes. I thought Thank we were you, cool. Steph. I Thank can't you, believe Steph. you. Yes. 
I appreciate the, uh, the support. <laughs> Everyone's here. turning against me. <sighs> yes, you, sh- you, you, you should. It's like, oh, I got a strike. Let's let's talk about exactly what we got a strike on you. I just I, said I, who my guest was. I didn't I'm say gonna, what we were I'm, talking you're about. You're going to get it. As soon as we go on Rumble, because we can't show violence here, you're going to get it. You're, you're going to get it. Why do I hear a bug catcher? Oh, it's, it's, it's not a it's bug catcher. It's a taser. It's, oh. Yes. Oh. He threatens me with it every day. It's really, it's he, really not cool. I've never he, des- been he, he deserves the, the violence. I, I believe in the non-aggression principle, except for Clint. Uh, Some people just, have it coming. Yes. I, I agree. I agree. I agree. Three Some people, strikes, you're out, Clint. You were late today. Yes. I was, Do you ever look at people and just think they never had their ass kicked enough? Yes. Absolutely. I see that it's so all often. Time. Is that all me? the time? Oh, no, 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 that's, it's, I don't look at, no, for me, it's, it's usually women, like, I look at people like certain people in Congress that I look at certain women and I'm like, these women have never been put oh, in their yeah, place. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Stephanie? What? Were you talking about no. Stephanie just then? You. Did you ever get punched in the face? I have been punched in the face I've once. been punched in the face. Twice. Just twice? That's it? Three times a lady. What about you, Clint? <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been hit uh, twice. That's it? You yeah. guys are rookies. I learned how to talk anyway, my way out. Why are you to... angering people that they're punching you so much? Yeah. Well, well no. It depends on where you grow up and your, and your upbringing and what you've oh, been Luke, through. Luke's, so, he's so, a street hoodlum. So, yeah, so, I get that. So we're going com- to move the conversation over to Rumble, where it's going to get a lot more violent. Rumble.com. Go there right now. Sign up. And Jen, really quickly, before we leave YouTube, where can people find more of your work? Yeah, guys, check out Generational Change. That's generational with a J. We are on YouTube. We are also on Spotify and whatever the new one, whatever the iTunes thing is. And uh, yeah, check us out. Liberty Lockdown at Liberty Lockpot on Twitter. Make sure you subscribe and follow over there. And Liberty Lockdown, I have Ashton Forbes and Ian Carlson airing tomorrow midday. Liberty Lockdown on Rumble because YouTube doesn't like me. Uh, check it out. It was a wild conversation. Definitely no check one, out Liberty Lockdown. No, no one likes you, Clint. That's not I true. I liked Clint. I have had Clint on my show, and I'm a bleeding heart. You Thank too, you. you too, Ian. You're, 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 you're the best. You can say it out loud, man. It's okay. I'm the best. You're, you're, you're the worst. The you're, you're, the best. You're, the, you're, you're in my books for. I go, for, for Psychological I retribution. So far that I come in from the outside. It's one of it's it's that kind of. Oh, thing. but I, I forgot to mention, uh, Gavin McInnes is on Tower Gang with me tomorrow night. So make sure you check that out. That'll be a crazy one. All right, and uh, follow me at Ian Crossland and uh, subscribe to me on YouTube, Rumble, uh, Minds, Facebook, and X. If you wanna check out, I did an interview with Adam Crickler earlier. It was fantastic. We talked about the lost city of Atlantis, which is one of my absolute yeah. favorite very things cool. to talk about. I could do an hour on it on Rumble if you guys want. Unless you want to talk about politics, I'm also into that. <laughs> we'll talk about other things. I don't know. Hey, Steph, talk to me. Hi, hi. You can find me on Instagram at 